This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. This is a CBS News special report, Campaign 2024, the New Hampshire primary. I'm Steve Kaith and CBS News projects the GOP primary in New Hampshire is leaning Trump. The votes are still being tabulated. Plenty of exit poll information is... Uh, being digested about the electorate in New Hampshire. Joining us now is Tommy Pickett, Director of Strategic Communications at the Republican National Committee. What's your take on things as we're just getting started in the vote counting, but we've certainly seen what the voters have been saying for the last few days in New Hampshire? Well, I think the big takeaway is Republican enthusiasm. Republicans are coming out to vote. They're sending a clear message that they're ready to beat Biden in November. That's where our focus is on beating Biden in November at the RNC. That's where our focus is. Uh, so we're seeing that enthusiasm. We're going to build on that enthusiasm. And this is another step forward, making sure Republican wins in November. And, and I would think with seven in 10 voters either being angry or upset about the economy, you've got some fuel to work with. Indeed, we saw the two most important issues coming out of this primary were border and the economy. Two issues where Joe Biden has failed massively. But two issues where, unfortunately, he is refusing to recognize the reality when it comes to the economy. He says his plan is working, despite 80 percent of America saying that the economy is negative. On the border, we're seeing him say the border is secure when really anyone looking at the crisis at the border knows otherwise. So those are two important issues that are resonating not just with Republicans, but with voters across the country that Joe Biden is really failing. The candidates and the voters have all talked about, you know, America has to reunite. America is too divided. It certainly seems like the Republican Party has to do some mending here because you still have a, a sizable portion of the party, call it the party establishment, who don't want Donald Trump around anymore after what's going on over the last six or seven years. What, what can be done to bring the party together? What has to be done there? Look, at the RNC, our focus is on that unity. We believe that Republicans know what's at stake. If Joe Biden were to have another four years in the White House, 
he would do tremendous damage to this country. And Republican voters know that. The Republican Party knows that. The Republican Party will come around our nominee at the RNC. We're building the infrastructure. We'll, we're building the road right now to make sure whoever that nominee is is in the best position possible to take that road to the White House. But Republicans will come together. We know it's at stake, and we know Joe Biden is failing this country. Now, South Carolina is the big prize after this one, but there's Nevada in between, and that's confusing to a lot of people. There's a caucus. There's a primary. Is there a way to explain what goes on in Nevada uh, to, to, to make it digestible for all of us? Well, I defer you actually to the, the party in Nevada to, to explain that uh, in terms of what's going on specifically in Nevada. Again, our focus at the RNC is making sure that we're in the best best position possible to beat Joe Biden. Our focus right now is on building that infrastructure through our bank you vote program, through our election integrity operations, to make sure that whoever the Republican nominee is can take that infrastructure and hit the ground running. That's where our focus is. That's where we're going to stay focused. And that's where, that's what we're building right now. Tommy Pickett of the RNC, thanks very much. As our night goes on here, the race in New Hampshire is leaning Trump, according to CBS News right now. Votes are still being tabulated. Let's check in with one of our campaign reporters. We're going We're going to go to Amy Dacey first. We'll check in around uh, New Hampshire with our reporters soon. Amy Dacey, certainly uh, the Republicans are going to try to uh, reunite after this Trump Haley contest gets settled, whether it's tonight or whether it's in South Carolina. What's your take on the party divide? Because you have the establishment wing of the party still sizable, maybe not in the majority anymore, but that still wants no part of Donald Trump, or at least they say so. Well, this is a challenge for the Republican Party. I mean, they can say they want to, you know, come together afterward, but there's it's clear that some people are not happy with him to be the nominee. You can talk about this consensus like literally out of the, you know, 36, 37 million Republican voters in this country, only, you know, 110 have voted so far in Iowa and, and then some are voting today in New Hampshire. I think it'll be hard to come back together. I think it'll be difficult where you might see some Republicans um, turn away from this race. It's going to hurt them probably down ballot in some of these, you know, conversations if if Trump is top of the ticket. And I also think that, you know, the bottom line is they need more than just their Republican core base to win a national election. And is their candidate who, you know, is going to be the nominee able to talk to those individuals? So even if they are able to consolidate Republicans for turnout, they're going to need those independents in some of these key battleground states. And it's a big challenge for Republicans going forward. So what do they do, Amy, let's say with the independent vote tonight? They get a sizable look at uh, what it all means, how it breaks down. Does that tell them what they have to do in terms of reaching independence beyond New Hampshire, certainly around the country? It's certainly a sample and a, and a focus group almost of, of what's out there. It, as we see what issues they care about, if they see the challenge, legal challenges that Trump is facing, whether that matters or not to them in a general election. Um, and then, again, I do think that it is, you know, a challenge when you see dissatisfied, angry, you know, um, people looking as those feelings toward, you know, the election um, but also it'll be a key indicator of what are some of the issues that these individuals are focused on as we go in. We've also got, you know, our uh, Democratic uh, president and in, in with his vice president in Virginia today talking about abortion and issues that they think will matter very much in a national election. So there's a lot of key indicators, you know, here in New Hampshire that you can kind of pick apart and try to see is that, you know, a pathway. 
Um, it'll give some indications, especially on the issue environment, on the temperament, you know, of voters. But then also, like, what are the winning messages and how do you persuade? You have to persuade these voters. You can't take anything for granted. And what's the key to get them either energized and also seeing as you as the viable option to kind of um, be their vote in November? And you mentioned the Trump legal troubles. We haven't touched on that yet, but 50 percent in the in our exit polling indicate He's fit to be president, even if he's convicted of a crime. If one of these trials, there's a conviction, 50% say he would still be fit to be president. And it's a 49-49 split over whether Biden won the 2020 election. So it tells you a lot right there. Yeah, it's it's concerning. It's certainly concerning if, if you know, to Democrats. But I also think that... The bottom line is when you see all the Republic, the attack ads that have gone, you know, against individuals up till now. I mean, the majority, 48 million, 24 million were against DeSantis and Haley. There haven't been as much, um, you know, negative ads against Trump. And the other thing is he is he was a former president of the United States. People have to call him out on his record. We saw very few Republicans doing that, you know, in this primary process, really calling him to task on his administration, what he was capable of doing, what he didn't do. Um, you know, you saw Nikki Haley tried to do that toward this in this last week. Was it enough? Was it too late? But um, he's going to have to run on a record. He can't be this outside person who's, you know, anti-establishment, who's never served in public office. That's not the case anymore. Um, and he's going to have to run on his record, too. Amy Dacey, thanks very much. They're counting the votes in New Hampshire, the Republican primary, Trump versus Haley. It's leaning Trump, according to CBS News. You're listening to live coverage of the primary from CBS News. CBS News special report, the New Hampshire primary. While the polls are officially closed in New Hampshire, where voters have cast their ballots for who they want as the Republican nominee for president. And CBS is projecting Donald Trump as the winner. Former President Trump supporters have been making their predictions, like South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, who told CBS's Robert Costa in his state it will be... Trump by 20 plus. 20 plus. That 20 big plus. of a margin. Yes. What gives you confidence that it's going to it could be that big of a win for Trump being born and raised in South Carolina. But former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley says regardless of the outcome, she is staying in. And then we're headed to my sweet state of South Carolina and we're going to make the case there. As well. Trump doesn't think she should pull out either. I would never ask anybody to pull out. I didn't ask Ron to pull out. I didn't ask Vivek to pull out. Nobody. CBS News special report. I'm Stacey Lynn. Live coverage continuing from CBS News. Donald Trump wins the New Hampshire primary. That's the projection from CBS News. With 17% of the vote counted, he has more than an eight-point lead over Nikki Haley. Joe Biden declared the winner, according to CBS News, of the Democratic primary. Joining us now is CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger. Jill, the economy is the key issue for voters in New Hampshire. They say it over and over. What they seem to be saying is most prices are still too high. Inflation is still very much a problem. Yes, it's interesting because when we look at polling data, that's exactly what happens. But then when we look at consumer sentiment data, things change a little bit. Last week, we got a report out from the University of Michigan about consumer sentiment. 
And that sentiment index jumped by 13% in early January, the highest level since July of 21. That really means that the December and January readings together were the largest two-month increases we've seen since 1991. And the folks at University of Michigan say that the whole reason they believe that confidence is rising is that the people believe that inflation has turned a corner. So in some surveys, yes, they say we're very hyper-focused about inflation. In other surveys, they say we think the worst is behind us. So it seems when you talk to people in New Hampshire about this, gas prices are coming down. That's good. Hiring seems to be okay. That's a good thing. But it's when they go to the grocery store. It seems like nothing has really changed there, and that's where people week to week feel it. Well, I think there's there's a couple of things. One is that prices in the grocery store are absolutely coming down. The rate of increase is down pretty dramatically. That said, prices are higher than where they were before the pandemic began. And so if you think about it this way, when I bought $100 worth of stuff, whether it's groceries or gas or anything else in the economy, and I look back to, say, uh, 2019, to buy that exact same basket of stuff cost me $120 today. And I think that's what consumers are responding to. They do feel confident that the inflation rate is coming down, but prices remain high on a lot of things. And specifically, I think there's a lot of people who are very frustrated about childcare costs. They're frustrated that their rents have not moderated. They're frustrated they can't even get into the housing market. So all those things are real factors that weigh on consumers as they head to the polls. Jill Schlesinger, thanks. We're going to hear now from Nikki Haley, who's speaking to supporters. Let's listen in New Hampshire. For a lot of people, politics is way too personal. It's not personal for me. I voted for Trump twice. I was proud to serve America in his cabinet. I agree with many of his policies. I decided to run because I'm worried about the future of our country and because it's time to put the negativity and chaos behind us. We have an economy that's crushing middle-class Americans. We have a border that is totally open and dangerous, creating a disaster in our country. We have, school, we have schools that are failing too many of our children, and we have a world on fire with a war in Europe and the Middle East and a huge and growing threat from China. And then you look at Washington, D.C. We have a Congress that fights about everything and accomplishes nothing. Nikki Haley speaking to supporters with uh, pretty much a stump speech there. Uh, CBS News projects that Donald Trump has won the New Hampshire primary. Sean Sullivan joining us. He's with the Washington Post. He's in New Hampshire. Certainly came to an end early, Sean, but uh, its question is, I guess, does she get it in single digits? Really, that's the remaining question right now is what is this margin? We saw a lot of pre-primary polls showing Donald Trump, the former president, with a really wide lead. There was a sense among some Haley supporters in the closing days that she was drawing big crowds, that she was generating enthusiasm, and they hoped to keep 
Trump's margin uh, in the single digits potentially, uh, but we don't know now. And this, you know, race was projected pretty quickly, um, which gives us some indication of where it's headed. So, yeah, you know, the biggest uh, question mark left tonight is how big this margin is. But you know, a- another clear victory for for Donald Trump in an early primary state here. Sean, does the margin matter when it comes to donors? I mean, what's going to happen tomorrow morning when uh, she says she's still in the race? She wants to get to South Carolina. It's a month away. Uh, is the money going to be there? It's a really open question, and I think a lot of those donors will be looking at this final margin to decide whether they are going to continue to write checks to a campaign that is a significant underdog right now because, of course, former President Trump won uh, a big victory in Iowa. Now another win in New Hampshire puts him uh, even closer to the nomination. That's an open question and one that the Haley campaign is going to have to address uh, with its donors, with its supporters, as it sort of reassesses uh, where where it heads after this. Was it a case of her perhaps getting tough too late in the campaign? It seems only over the last week since Iowa, she really started to to hit at Trump. And uh, she seemed not so willing to do that, or at least to the extent perhaps she should have earlier on. Some Republicans that uh, our reporters talked to on the ground this week certainly felt that way, and they felt that she had an opportunity to take the fight to Trump in a more direct way on a broader range of issues. A lot of what Nikki Haley uh, has said about Donald Trump is rooted in his electability and how he would do in a general election. I think some Republicans wish that she would broaden that critique, sharpen that critique, single out other specific actions or things that he said, and make it more a case against him and less a case of whether or not he could win against President Biden. Sean Sullivan, The Washington Post, thanks very much. Donald Trump projected to win the New Hampshire primary. You're listening to live coverage from CBS News. President Biden was not on the ballot today. While the Republican National Committee continues to embrace New Hampshire as the first primary state, the Democratic National Committee last year approved a new early primary schedule supported by Mr. Biden to move South Carolina to the front of the line. New Hampshire Republicans in control of the state government and state Democrats disagreed with the DNC's scheduling change and refused to change state law, willing to risk potential consequences down the line. As a result, Mr. Biden's re-election campaign informed New Hampshire Democrats in late October that he would not be filing to appear on the state's primary ballot and he's the first sitting president to not appear on the state's primary ballot. But he can still win the unofficial primary through write-in votes, but has not held a campaign event here in New Hampshire since announcing his re-election bid. He placed fifth in New Hampshire in the 2020 Democratic primary. I'm Matt Piper, CBS News. CBS News Special Report, the New Hampshire primary. CBS News projects that former President Trump will win the New Hampshire Republican primary. His challenger, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, is speaking to supporters now. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. Haley's state primary, South Carolina, is on February 24th. CBS News projects that President Biden will win the New Hampshire Democratic primary, defeating challengers Marianne Williamson and Representative Dean Phillips of Minnesota. Mr. Biden was not on the ballot. He won with write-in votes and went on the attack while stumping in Virginia today. Donald Trump and my Republicans, including the Speaker of the House, are hell-bent on going even further 
To date, MAGA Republicans in Congress proposed three additional national abortion bans to criminalize health care in every state. CBS News Special Report. I'm Jennifer Kuyper. This is a CBS News Special Report. Campaign 2024. The New Hampshire Primary. I'm Steve Kathan, CBS News. CBS News projects Donald Trump will win the Republican presidential primary in New Hampshire over Nikki Haley. She's speaking to her supporters in New Hampshire now, saying she's still in the race. Matt Piper joins us now from Manchester. He's been looking at all the exit polls and some of the results as they've been coming in. Hello again, Matt. Hey, Steve. So I just want to give some context. Last week in Iowa, it was about 30 minutes into the caucus night that we had projected Donald Trump the winner. Tonight happened within 20 minutes. So this was another quick win for Donald Trump in this first in the nation primary. Now, the Trump campaign is out with a statement moments ago saying, in part, every day Nikki Haley stays in this race is another day she delivers to the Harris-Biden campaign. It's time for Nikki Haley to drop out, they say. Now, for her part, Haley also just spoke, saying this race is far from over. Well, I'm a fighter. And I'm scrappy. And now we're the last one standing next to Donald Trump. And on the other side, CBS News projects that President Biden will win the New Hampshire Democratic primary. But again, Steve, we are projecting Donald Trump will win the New Hampshire primary. Taking a look at the numbers right now, there are just about 20 percent of votes in. And Donald Trump has 54 percent of the vote up against Nikki Haley's 44 percent. Steve. So that's a 10-point margin. Let's see. Uh, I guess it's key, or at least might be key for donors, as we heard from uh, several guests, that uh, she's got to keep it close or some money might dry up as we move on. It's true. I've been talking to affiliates across the country today, and it's just one of the main hitting points that I've been saying. You know, in the U.S., money, money, money is the politics game. The New Hampshire, excuse me, the South Carolina Republican primary is one month from tomorrow. That's a long ways away. Candidates take private planes. Candidates have buses, huge tour buses. I saw the DeSantis bus actually here two days ago. It was still here. You know, we're talking about gas. We're talking about crisscrossing the country. Um, It costs a lot of money. So there are going to be donors who might say, look, Nikki Haley, we just don't have the confidence anymore because the voters are not behind you. Obviously, she says right now, at least in the last few minutes, she's staying in the race. But this could be a huge dropout of donors for her if they start to see that this is just not what the American people want. Matt Piper, thanks. Amy Dacey is our political analyst. So there the scene is set for you, Amy. She, Nikki Haley says she's going to stay in the race, at least in South Carolina, if she's going to campaign heavily there. Maybe she doesn't need to spend money on a hotel. It's her home state, but she's way behind in, in the polls in South Carolina. It doesn't even project as close as New Hampshire was. So she's got a lot to do. I guess if you're advising her, what do you tell her to do? Well, it had to start tonight. And I was surprised to see that she can't just continue this narrative of enough of the negativity and chaos. She has to make a contrast and a sharp contrast with President Trump and be willing to hit him on his record, be willing to say why she is also the viable candidate against Biden. She has to make that case And so if Donald Trump's going to come out of this contest and label her the spoiler, make it she is she is standing between 
um, you know, him and a Republican presidency, that's not going to help her. And if she's not going to stand strong and, and try to provide an answer for those two things, I don't see where you make up that gap. This has got to be something that she's willing to do. And even this morning in New Hampshire, you heard her say things like, you know, he's certainly qualified to lead. He can do this and wasn't willing to say, what are the things he didn't accomplish in those four years that he was in office? What are the things that, you know, he's not going to be able to accomplish going forward and to set the case and make the case that she is better positioned to beat Joe Biden in a general election. If those things aren't happening, I don't see where you pick up ground in these four and a half weeks um, before South Carolina. Yeah, there's a lot more to it than that. But uh, the the one on one polling that's been done, Biden versus the top Republicans in the race, Haley certainly does better than Trump one on one. Obviously, you know, there's more to it in, in terms of it being an electoral vote and states matter. But uh, that uh, certainly didn't seem to matter to a lot of voters who are who are going with what they know, it looks like. Yeah, I, I think this is the thing. Trump is trying to make himself as that anti-establishment candidate, too, and running from the outside and trying to offer, you know, um, something that's contrasting to Biden. And, you know, so viability, he's saying he's the only one that can do it, whether or not the polls are saying that he can do it. He says he knows that roadmap. He's ready for, you know, um, to, to the rematch. And that's, you know, he's been acting like the general election candidate, not being willing to debate, not being spending, you know, time in some of these states like you should. But also under the surface, what you're seeing, his ads are very issue specific and not as much about, you know, uh, these these, uh, you know, contests and does he have the most viability. But he's going after her, certainly on immigration, on Social Security, on issues that people care about. And that's what's happening under the surface with these ads. And it's making a difference in states like Iowa, New Hampshire, and could make a huge difference in South Carolina, her home state. All right, Amy, CBS News projects Donald Trump has won the New Hampshire Republican primary. Right now in the vote count, he's got a 10-point edge. Margin of victory will be important going forward. You're listening to live coverage of the New Hampshire primary from CBS News. This is a CBS News special report, Campaign 2024, the New Hampshire primary. I'm Steve Kaith in CBS News. Thanks for joining us. CBS News projects Donald Trump has won the New Hampshire primary. Right now in the vote counts, about 20% of the vote counted. He has a 10-point lead. Margin of victory is one of those things that will be watched closely. Nikki Haley has spoken to her supporters, says she's still in the race. One person no longer in the race is Ron DeSantis. Our CBS News campaign reporter Aaron Navarro covered his campaign as short as it was, Aaron. Certainly, I think, uh, well, perhaps nobody thought he would beat Trump in Iowa when things got down to the wire. Perhaps they didn't expect him to get out so soon. 30 points is quite the gap. And I think that was kind of the beginning of the end for Governor DeSantis. He invested a lot of money and time into Iowa and kind of left New Hampshire and, to a sense, South Carolina to the wayside as he really went all in on Iowa, trying to show that if you can land a punch at the former president in that state, the path to the nomination opens up. And going into the Iowa caucus last Monday, allies were saying he needs to get within 10 to 15 points. That's how we show he can stay in the race and stay competitive. Ended up being a 30-point gap. And I think, especially after that, while he was still campaigning in South Carolina, a couple trips here and there to New Hampshire, you could kind of sense that he had seen the writing on the wall for him. 
So what about the strategy of going all in in Iowa? And certainly he tried to portray himself as I, I'm, I'm Trump, but I'm not I'm not Trump with the baggage. I, I can do the same things he does. I support the same things he does. I'm that tough kind of guy, but I don't have all this stuff along with me. That's right. That was his pitch, essentially, that he would be a, quote, more effective Trump on issues like immigration and government spending. But you got to go in on at least one of the first two states or try and spread the wealth. We're seeing Nikki Haley. She's done a good amount in Iowa, but she really was banking on a good performance in New Hampshire. And you saw the opposite. And that's in part because the electorate in Iowa is more in line with DeSantis' type of brand, more evangelicals, more of those hardline conservatives, especially when you compare it to New Hampshire, which of course has moderate Republicans and independents getting involved in the primary too. I guess, what's the Monday morning quarterbacking on the DeSantis campaign? Uh, are they saying what he should have done or perhaps what could have been done better to perhaps either make that gap a little bit tighter or maybe even pull off a win somehow? Or was it just never in the cards? You're seeing a little bit of that never in the cards sense from him and his team kind of acknowledging the popularity boosts that Trump got after every indictment, especially beginning in March. Now, remember, there was this period after DeSantis' 2022 win, his re-election, where he was really seen as the heir apparent to Trump. And there was a lot of chatter and buzz around him while Trump was kind of in a vulnerable state. But after these indictments came, after Republicans rallied around him, that really seemed to change the race even before DeSantis got in. And just he did his first interview, DeSantis did, since dropping out of the race this morning or um, dropping out of the race uh, last Sunday. Uh, but today he said in an interview that it was a fate accompli uh, in a sense for his supporters that he kept running into people that said, we like you, but we still like Trump. And there's a calculation, too, with what he did in terms of getting out and endorsing Trump. He's certainly thinking perhaps four years down the road, and he has to survive politically in Florida. That's right. He still has a couple years left as governor, which he says he uh, is looking forward to. But, you know, he was asked in that interview today with Steve Deese um, what 2028 could look like. And he, by all means, did not close the door, but did say, I, uh, I will see what the, if we still have a country by 2028 is what he said. So definitely still thinking about his future, but he has taken some shots at Trump. Uh, there was a bill that was introduced in Florida, this legislature to have taxpayers front some of Trump's legal fees. And uh, DeSantis on X indicated that he would not be signing that. Aaron Navarro, thanks very much, as always, covering the DeSantis campaign up right till the end. Let's focus on immigration. One of the two top issues that Voters in New Hampshire said we're in play today. Immigration has been a big talking point for Republicans. Mark Jones joins us, Rice University's Joseph Jamail Chair in Latin American Studies. Good to have him with us. What uh, have you heard in the days leading up to the vote today in New Hampshire about immigration that's interested you? Well, immigration continues to be the top issue or one of the top issues for Republicans. It ties in terms of importance, but when it comes to mobilizing the base to turn out, nothing works like immigration. Uh, a lot of the talk recently has been on the Supreme Court's decision to allow the Border Patrol to begin cutting down the razor wire that Governor Abbott uh, here in Texas has put up. And we're seeing increasing conflict between the state of Texas uh, engaging in border enforcement on its own uh, with the Biden administration that seems to be pushing back. 
But I think Democrats and Republicans alike uh, are in agreement, perhaps for different reasons, that we are in a border security crisis. And as long as that crisis goes on, it's bad for the Biden administration and Biden's candidacy and good for Trump and his candidacy. And we talk so much about the southern border, but for people in New Hampshire, there's concern about the northern border, too, isn't there? Right. So when we're talking about border security, three issues come up. One is uh, the large number of undocumented immigrants coming across the border and the impact they have on the United States. A second is the uh, ease with which potential terrorists or actual terrorists can cross the border. And then the third is the extent to which drugs like fentanyl can easily cross the border. Up in New Hampshire and along the Canadian-U.S. border, the worries tend to be more focused on uh, fentanyl and drugs crossing the border and the potential for terrorists crossing the border, and a little less focus on undocumented immigrants from Latin America, simply because their presence there is much lower than is the case in the border states and then in the large cities where many of those immigrants are going, such as New York, Chicago, Washington, D.C., Now, aside from Donald Trump, who says he wants to close the border, he'll do it on day one. We know that may be a bit too much to ask for, and it's it's more complex than that. But there are talks going on in Washington between Republicans and Democrats on on a border deal. And uh, that's that's a broad term, of course. What's taking shape in Washington that we should be aware of as this campaign goes on? Well, right now, the negotiations occurring in the Senate where there's the best prospect for an actual deal where the Biden administration would give in to tighter border security, uh, allowing a more fast-tracked asylum process to remove people from the country in exchange for additional monies as well as money for the Ukraine. Uh, What the Republicans and the Senate are trying to do who support this package is to show that they have enough votes to place pressure on the House where this is going to be a tough sell to Republicans who are have a more all-or-nothing approach to border security and either want to see uh, President Biden adopt their preferred methods of a much more uh, secure border and a much more punitive approach to immigration. Mark Jones, Rice University, thanks. You're listening to live coverage from CBS News. CBS News Special Report, the New Hampshire primary. Results are rolling in for the first in the nation primary. CBS News can now project former President Donald Trump as the winner of the New Hampshire primary. CBS's Major Garrett tells us it takes at least 1,215 delegates to clinch the Republican nomination. Trump will win 11 of them, and he's feeling good. There's never been a movement like this, Make America Great Again, in the history of our country. Trump supporters are responding to the win. They call MAGA a bad thing, but I think Make America Great Again is the way to go. That's that's what we are. We have been the greatest country, and we need to be the greatest country. Nikki Haley congratulated Trump for the victory in New Hampshire, but says... This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. Again, CBS News projects Donald Trump as the winner of the New Hampshire primary. CBS News Special Report. I'm Stacey Lynn. This is a CBS News special report, Campaign 2024, the New Hampshire primary. I'm Steve Kaith in CBS News. Thanks for joining us tonight. You heard the headline, former President Donald Trump winning the New Hampshire primary. That's what CBS News projects. The vote is still rolling in with more than 20 percent counted. He has a 10 point edge in the voting 
President Biden on the right-in side for Democrats taking that vote tonight, although the South Carolina primary really kicks things off for the Democratic Party. You know, the president has said democracy is on the ballot, especially if he squares off against Donald Trump. Joining us now is Richard Hassan, professor of law and political science at UCLA and director of the Safeguarding Democracy Project. I guess the overall question is, is democracy on the ballot this fall, as the president says it is? Well, I think it's fair to say that it's on the ballot because what we saw in 2020 was a period in which uh, one of the candidates for president, Donald Trump, uh, tried to change the results of the election and turn himself from an election loser into an election winner. A lot's been done since then to try to deal with it, but certainly people should be aware and are aware of what happened in 2020. You've written a book. It's called A Real Right to Vote. You've written extensively about the process. What's been done? Well, boy, it's it's a tough question. Well, let's first deal with the feeling on this. Do, do you think people in, in, in either political party have a real sense that things are going to be fair? Do, do, do people really think that even if if they don't buy into the the Trump line about 2020, that there's always a level of suspicion that you have to approach this with when it seemed in years past, it was it was a given. We accepted the results. So I think that there's a big difference between the question, are we going to be able to conduct a fair election where people will be able to vote and the votes will be accurately counted? I think the answer to that is yes, because of a lot of hard work of people uh, in uh, who work in elections, both well elected officials, well as the news media and, and, and others, uh, versus the question, are people going to accept the results? And I think there, we're in much more trouble, in part because Donald Trump, it's not as though he went away after 2020. He has continued to make a central uh, part of his campaign and of his message generally that the last election was stolen. When you have a democracy, the losers have to agree that the last election was fair, otherwise your entire democracy is undermined. And even if there's a Trump victory, uh, are Democrats going to believe that that is legitimate? A lot's going to depend upon how this election and how the campaigns are conducted. And from what you know, what's been done since 2020 to secure the ballot box, to, to make elections secure, technology and otherwise? Well, I would point to three things. First, Congress changed the rules in the end of uh, in December of 2022, at the end of the last congressional session before Republicans took over. They changed the rules to make it harder to try to manipulate the Electoral College rules when Congress counts those votes. Uh, second, the Supreme Court decided a major case in 2023 called Moore versus Harper which made it um, harder to claim that state legislatures could simply throw out the votes of voters for president. And uh, politically, we saw in 2022 a number of election deniers running to be secretary of state in swing states, and they all lost their election. So the public is much more aware of this threat than they were before the 2022 elections. Richard Hassan, professor of law and political science at UCLA, thanks very much. As we head toward the top of the hour, the headline out of New Hampshire is CBS News projects that Donald Trump wins the New Hampshire Republican primary. Our analyst, Amy Dacey, is along with us. And uh, Amy, certainly the margin of victory we have talked about is is very important for 
uh, the Nikki Haley campaign on the losing end. She says she's in the race to stay, but it's looking like a 10 to 11 point difference now as the votes are being counted. Yeah, I do think that that benchmark of trying to get to single digits was important for her. It's hard to celebrate second place in a two-way race. But what she's got to be able to do coming out of New Hampshire is make the case that she's getting, you know, got more votes than she did in Iowa, that she has a clear path to victory, that some of the important voting blocks she saw, you know, some movement in college educated and others that might help in a general election. So... What she said tonight is the fight goes on, but what she says in the coming days to state the case about why she still, you know, is in this race is important. If you're advising her campaign, what do you tell her to do? Does she have to go on the attack more? Because it seemed like she did right after Iowa for a few days. But even in some follow-up interviews, when she was asked about those lines of attack, she sort of backed off a little bit. So what's the strategy? Do you have to go? I guess you, you go all in. Yeah, you have to convince. Now, Donald Trump has some supporters that are not going to change their mind and are doubling down to try and get him the nomination. But there are Republicans in these primaries and places where independents can vote in these primaries that are looking for a a solution that's outside of that. They're looking for the alternative. It's imperative she makes the case that that she is that candidate. She is the alternative not only to Trump and, as she says, you know, the distractions and the chaos that comes with it, but that she's best positioned to win in a general election. She's going to have to tell her donors that. She's going to have to tell the people who are already supporting her in South Carolina. And she's going to have to make that case. Um, Certainly, you know, also go on these issues that are mattering to people. She's going to talk about what her solution is, what her plan is on immigration, what's her plan on the economy, and provide that she has the roadmap for that. I I imagine that's what you're going to see in the coming days. I think it's what you have to see in the coming days. And the political ads will be flying. I'm sure new ones are, are being devised even as we speak to to saturate South Carolina so that uh, it has a, a an effect one way or the other. Absolutely. And this is also why some of these, you know, outside independent um, um, organizations and PACs, what role will they play in the non-candidate um, spending that's happening in South Carolina and some of these other states down the calendar? Amy, thanks. It's live coverage from CBS News. America Decides Campaign 2024. Donald Trump projected to win the Republican primary In New Hampshire, we'll have a lot more coming up. This is CBS News on the Hour, sponsored by O'Reilly Auto Parts. I'm Matt Piper in Manchester, New Hampshire, where CBS News projects that former President Donald Trump will win the 2024 New Hampshire Republican primary, defeating former U.N. Ambassador and South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. This happened within 20 minutes of all polls in the state closing in the last hour. The Trump campaign is out with a statement saying, in part, every day Nikki Haley stays in this race is another day she delivers to the Harris-Biden campaign. It's time for Nikki Haley to drop out, they say. For her part, Haley also just spoke saying this race is far from over. Well, I'm a fighter. And I'm scrappy. And now we're the last one standing next to Donald Trump. I'm Matt Piper in Manchester. Here's Jennifer Kuyper with more. 
CBS News projects that President Biden, after a writing effort, will win the 2024 New Hampshire Democratic primary. He campaigned today in Manassas, Virginia, focusing on reproductive rights and blaming former President Trump for taking away a woman's right to choose. I believe 2024 is going to be the most important election we've had since 1864. I mean it. And the reasons are clear. Democracy is on the ballot. Freedom is on the ballot. Today, we lost one of the true legends of CBS News, Charles Osgood. He died peacefully in New Jersey at the age of 91. CBS's Deborah Rodriguez. Charles Osgood was a legend at CBS on the radio. The Osgood Files. This is Charles Osgood. And on TV. Listen for the trumpets Sunday morning. Over four-plus decades, he served as an anchor and reporter for every news program on the network, becoming known for his trademark bow ties, folksy manner, and fondness for poetry. It was the day after Christmas, and what do you know, down from the sky in the east fell the snow. From the quirky to the profound, he covered it all. The difference between news and history is that news is of the moment, and history is for the ages. South Korea's military says North Korea has fired several cruise missiles into the Western Sea as it continues a streak of weapons testing in the face of deepening nuclear tensions with the U.S., South Korea, and Japan. The U.S. military launched new airstrikes today in Iraq. CBS's Charlie Daggett U.S. Central Command say forces conducted unilateral strikes against three facilities used by Iranian-backed militias in Iraq, including headquarters, storage, and training locations. It comes days after those militias targeted a military base wounding U.S. service members. This is CBS News. This is a CBS News special report, Campaign 2024, the New Hampshire primary. I'm Steve Kathan, CBS News. The headline from New Hampshire, Donald Trump projected to win the Republican primary. He's got a 12-point lead in the vote count. About 28% of the vote is in. Of course, we've talked about a margin of victory being important uh, for Nikki Haley, trying to get it to single digits. Not quite there yet. We'll see if it gets there. She says, she told her supporters she's in the race to stay. Let's go to Manchester, New Hampshire now. CBS's Matt Piper has been looking at the numbers and talking to people. Hello again, Matt. Hey, Steve. So this projection for Donald Trump was called within about 20 minutes of the polls closing. Trump prevailed in New Hampshire over Haley, the former U.S. ambassador to the U.N., who worked to court the state's more moderate voters. Now, this is something we don't always see, a candidate speaking so quickly after projections are called for multiple news outlets. Haley quickly said she would remain in this race. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. Today, we got close to half of the vote. We still have a ways yeah. to go, but we keep moving up. She also congratulated her rival. I want to congratulate Donald Trump on his victory tonight. He earned it, and I want to acknowledge that. So with this win in New Hampshire and decisive victory in Iowa, Trump has now topped the first two contests of the 2024 election cycle. The winners of the primary in this Granite State and in the last four competitive election cycles have gone on to secure the party's presidential nomination, including Trump, back eight years ago in 2016. As for what voters said in exit polling today, an unhappy electorate, 
The economy and immigration were the top issues. One in five voters, Steve, made up their minds in the last few days. Most had decided before then, but again, a lot of people only just decided who they were going to go for in the last couple days. Matt Piper, thanks very much. Amy Dacey, our political analyst, is along too. And we thought that number one in five was significant, perhaps last minute decisions, maybe cutting toward Haley. Doesn't seem much of anything did as as we look at the, the, the numbers coming in now. Yeah, I, I think, you know, some of these votes were, they said last minute decision, but some minds have been, you know, made, made up. And the big question is moving into South Carolina. How much persuasion can she do with some of those people looking in, in South Carolina to vote? Our minds already set you know, is it following the polling that we've seen that there consistently over the past, you know, several months? What's her takeaway going to be in terms of analyzing the independent voters? She certainly appealed to them more than Donald Trump did, but uh, did she do enough to to sort of capture their imagination? Well, I think that's why it, it bodes well for her to talk about her prospects in a general election. Uh, what you see in South Carolina is a lot more Republicans voting. This this was a different primary, different, you know, um, electorate here in New Hampshire. But uh, that helps her make the case for viability. I think she also just really needs to see uh, where she's at with Republican, you know, voters and the issues that they care about and what they're looking at when they're making a decision for who they want their nominee is and who the person they think has the best chance to defeat Biden, if that's the ultimate goal in November for them. Well, now she's already spoken to her supporters, essentially conceding the New Hampshire primary to Donald Trump. What is she doing now? Is she on the phone to donors? Is she trying to convince people not to turn off the money tap? Yeah, I think this right now is pivot mode to looking forward to South Carolina, to convincing and making sure that people are still on board, that she's getting the resources she needs. I think she also has to look at um, what issues she's going to talk about, both on the air and then on the ground when she's going around South Carolina and what those voting blocks are, where they're part of the states she needs to overperform. Um, and what Trump did there, you know, uh, in 2016 versus today, what kind of organization he has there. So I think it was smart to to, you know, come right out and say that she's, you know, be the first to speak and say, I'm still going and not let anybody make the decision for her tonight that she's not running. But now she really has to double down and do the work to figure out where she's positioned for South Carolina and make sure everybody's still along on the ride with her for that. Amy, thanks. She'll go to her home state, South Carolina, the next month we have to campaign there. We'll see Donald Trump there when he's not in court. But he's the big winner tonight. Again, second straight race, this time taking the New Hampshire presidential primary, CBS News projects as the vote count goes on. You're listening to live coverage from CBS News. This is a CBS News special report, Campaign 2024, the New Hampshire primary. I'm Steve Kathan, CBS News. CBS News projects Donald Trump has won the Republican presidential primary in New Hampshire. Votes are still being counted. Nikki Haley has spoken to supporters. She says she's still in the race. Joining us now is CBS News campaign reporter Jake Rosen, who spent an awful lot of time in New Hampshire. Uh, how many months has it been, Jake? You've you've been there since the beginning. Hey, Steve, I've been up here uh, weekly since August, and I've been up here uh, living in Manchester for the last three months. So nobody knows voters better in New Hampshire than Jake Rosen. You've been speaking to them 
today, over the last several days, in fact. Does what you've been hearing sort of bear out some of the exit polling about the economy and immigration being top issues and about the anger and disappointment there is in in America right now? Yeah, 100%, Steve. Um, I think that there's this feeling of being forgotten. We saw the Democrats take away the first the nation status, or at least try to, from Democrats in the state. And, uh, you know, I've, see, I've uh, seen this among Republicans of just feeling like the Washington establishment doesn't work for them. The people, the Republicans elected to Congress have not worked for them. Um, and I just think that that message has really been conveyed up here with the, uh, the votes we've seen tonight, that Donald Trump, the independent voters appear, the Republican voters appear, just they're a different breed and they're, they've carried it in a victory twice and it looks like they're doing it again. A lot of people smelled perhaps a surprise. Perhaps Nikki Haley might pull one off with the fact that independent voters can vote. But uh, certainly independent voters are independent enough to vote for Donald Trump or anybody they want. I I wonder if you're surprised based on what you heard from some of what they said to you about how the how the vote is turning out. You know, I think it's an interesting concept with Nikki Haley's path up here, right? With Chris Christie dropping out and Vivek Ramaswamy dropping out in the same week, Christie's support may have gone some of it to Nikki Haley. Vivek Ramaswamy's support, some if not all of it, may have gone to Donald Trump. So that kind of offsets itself. And with DeSantis really not doing well up here, his message just frankly didn't resonate, Steve. There's this kind of feeling of maybe if she had a longer runway up here to make it a two-person race for longer than the eight days that it was, or really the two or three days that it was since Ron DeSantis dropped out. And I think that's just something that we have to remember here is that she's called for it to be a two-person race. But in reality, it really just became that. And for these independent voters who are not fans of former President Trump, maybe they just need a little bit more longer in persuading. Certainly could be true what you say there. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. And people have talked about how unfair it is that these two states have such a big say in such a short amount of time, very small percentage of the electorate. And already, you know, as Nikki Haley would call it, it's a kind of a coronation. And we've just had two races. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we saw the turnout because of weather in Iowa be about 100,000 people, about 56,000 of which voted for former President Trump. So that's 56,000 people who have decided what the front, who the frontrunner was going into this election. Um, and I think up here in New Hampshire, I think it was kind of a challenge accepted to turn out. We'll see what the final, final numbers are. But the secretary of state did estimate about 300,000. I don't think we'll get to a high watermark that we saw in 2016. But I think there is a chance that we did get this big turnout, maybe potentially even three times what we saw in Iowa. But again, you're so right. Just the amount of money that's been poured into Iowa and New Hampshire alone is just so disproportionate to the rest of the country. And now that ad budget goes from being spent on New Hampshire, uh, some already has been, to South Carolina, where I'm sure the message will change just a little bit. I don't think Nikki Haley has to pull out all the stops or try something different because in her home state, she doesn't do very well in the polls against Donald Trump. And uh, this was seen as, as someplace where if she couldn't pull off a win, she'd at least get close. Yeah. And I think based on my conversation with voters up here, they realize that there is this kind of anti-Trump coalition. But I think without Chris Christie's endorsement, without some other big national key players coming in to kind of say, hey, this is the last chance. We saw some Democrats do it. Liz Cheney was up here as well. You know, I, I just don't think that message quite resonated enough up here. You know, unfortunately for Haley that she just didn't get the boost that she absolutely needed tonight. And she can claim, you know, her speech was defiant tonight. I'm sure you heard it. 
But I think there is this kind of feeling that, you know, will the donors trickle down and still give money into her campaign? Can she persuade a deep, deep red state, even though she was their governor, that she's a better option? We're talking to CBS News campaign reporter Jake Rosen, who has been in New Hampshire most of the time since August. I'm wondering if what you heard from people changed over the many months you were there in terms of what people were saying about the race or about the issues. Did it change in any way as uh, the calendar flipped to this year? You know, I think and I've had the privilege of going all the way up to the Canadian border uh, with Vivek Ramaswamy. I've been in Manchester um, I've, I've been to the you know different parts of the state, down to the seacoast. And I think the one thing that I really heard was the economy. And this is a state that was kind of left behind as the U.S. economy transitioned a little bit overseas. There's a lot of industry here that kind of has started to dry up, one of which is obviously, as Donald Trump mentions, kind of the fishing and coastal community here, even though it's small, it is kind of mighty. And I just think that that's the big thing I kept hearing, economy, economy, economy. If inflation goes down, you know, maybe there's a chance that, you know, a Democrat or a more moderate, you know, person could potentially find their way in here. But I think the way that people felt when Donald Trump was president, just even if you were not a fan of his policies or you did not vote for him tonight, I had a couple Nikki Haley people, supporters even mention it. I had a Joe Biden supporter even mention it, that, you know, things just have gotten rougher, but people chose to vote for other candidates either way. Jake Rosen, thanks. Let's go to Nidia Cavazos, who's been covering the Haley campaign. We've already heard from the candidate tonight. Must be a big disappointment there. Hi there. Yes. Well, we can certainly say that the party is over here at Haley's headquarters. It's such a drastic change in scenery from even just 30 minutes ago. Um, we had a full auditorium at a conference center here in Concord, New Hampshire, people were rallied up. They were coming in with their pink Nikki signs, with their New Hampshire loves uh, Nikki Haley. But within a matter of pretty much minutes after she gave her remarks, people started leaving. There was a sense of disappointment here in the room and just a really change from what we were seeing at the beginning with just a lot of people having a lot of hope that you know Nikki Haley could come in close or actually win the state. So I guess a lot of soul searching in terms of what went wrong. Definitely. I've gotten the chance to speak with some voters as they're coming out. And, you know, this is why I'm saying that they're disappointed because they've expressed that they still give her credit for coming in close as um, this is what it's looking to be. But they really had a lot of hope here. Now, we're talking about the Trump alternative in the past days, really. Nikki Haley was able to solidify her position as the clear Trump alternative. And so now voters here in New Hampshire have these two choices. It's Trump or it's Haley. But even that didn't necessarily do it for Haley. Nidia, thanks. You're listening to live coverage from CBS News. CBS News special report, the New Hampshire primary. CBS News is projecting former President Trump is the winner of the New Hampshire primary, defeating Nikki Haley. I want to congratulate Donald Trump on his victory tonight. He earned it, and I want to acknowledge that. She says the race is far from over. CBS's Skylar Henry. Haley has said regardless of the outcome, she's looking to push through to next month's contest in her home state of South Carolina. Where she says she thinks she'll win. South Carolina voters don't want a coronation. They want an election. And Trump says he doesn't think Haley should drop out. I would never ask anybody to pull out. I didn't ask Ron to pull out. I didn't ask Vivek to pull out. Nobody. 
And even though President Biden wasn't on the ballot, CBS News projects he will win the New Hampshire Democratic primary, winning with write-in votes. CBS News Special Report. I'm Stacey Lynn. This is a CBS News Special Report, Campaign 2024, the New Hampshire primary. I'm Steve Kathan, CBS News. Let's look at one of the issues in this race, the economy. Mark Hamrick joins us from Bankrate.com. This, for Republicans in New Hampshire, was one of the two big issues. It's a big issue for just about all Americans right now. Test, test, test. What have Republicans been able to do to sort of tap into that issue? Certainly critical of the Biden administration on inflation. We're good. Mark, can you hear me? I can. I'm sorry. I just came on. Okay, Mark. It's Steve here. We're talking about the economy with Mark Hamrick of Bankrate. Uh, Certainly the Republicans have tried to make this their centerpiece issue, attacking Joe Biden on inflation. You think it's working? I think we'll have to wait to see when they're actually casting votes in the general election, Steve, because inflation's coming down, but consumer buying power has been sharply eroded by the experience of the last several years. At its peak, essentially what we could previously purchase for $100 was costing $120. But when we dive down into whether it's a bank rate survey, the recently released University of Michigan survey, what we find is that Republicans and Democrats have sharply divided views on where their own personal finances are as well as where the economy stands. And certainly their individual differences cannot be only because of their political leanings. So it's sort of the lens that everybody defines the standing of the economy by virtue of their political affiliation as well. Mark, we're going to cut away from you now. Former President Trump now speaking to supporters in New Hampshire. And uh, today, I have to tell you, it was very interesting because I said, wow, what a great victory. But then somebody ran up to the stage all dressed up nicely (laughs) when it was at 7. But now I just walked up and it's at 14. But but she ran up when it was 7. And, you know, we have to do what's good for our party. And she was up and I said, wow, she's doing uh, like a speech like she won. She didn't win. She lost. And, you know, last, last week we had a little bit of a problem. And if you remember, Ron was very upset because she ran up and she pretended she won Iowa. And I looked around. I said, didn't she come in third? Yeah, she came in third. And then I looked at the polls. She was talking about most winnability, who's going to win. And I had one put up. I don't know if you see it, but I have one put up. We've won almost every single poll in the last three months against crooked Joe Biden. Almost every poll. And she doesn't win those polls. And she doesn't win those. This is not your typical victory speech, but let's not have somebody take a victory when she had a very bad night. She had a very bad night. And you, uh, you have the... You have the very, the now very unpopular governor of this state. This guy, he's got to be on something. I've never seen anybody with energy. He's like uh, hopscotch. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm watching this guy, and two weeks ago he said, we're going to win, we're going to win in the landslide, we're going to win. About three days ago he started saying, well, we want to do well. That's a big difference. 
But I walked out just now, we're 14 points up, and I don't know what it's going to be. But when she was up here, it was like six or seven. And, you know, with like 7% of the vote counted. Now, let, let me just tell you, we, uh, we had an unbelievable week last week in Iowa. We set a record. It was the best in the history of the caucus, in the history. And uh, I remember I sort of had the same feeling. I'm up and I'm watching, and I said, she's taking a victory lap. And we, we beat her so badly, she was, but Ron beat her also. You know. Live coverage from CBS News, Donald Trump talking to supporters as he tries to crystallize his margin of victory over Nikki Haley. Right now it is just double digits, and uh, that's important uh, going forward. Nikki Haley says she's still in the race. Returning to our conversation with Mark Hamrick of Bankrate, Looking at the economy, the big issue, as you were saying, Mark, inflation is the big attack point. Gas prices usually is, too, in in a general election. Gas prices, though, have been coming down. But in terms of inflation, even though the numbers have come down, as you say, buying power, it seems, for people is way down. And people see it most at the grocery store and where they're going every week. That's right, Steve. And so I do think that's where the rubber does you know, hit the road, so to speak. And uh, it is quite remarkable that uh, where major metrics of the economy you know, generally look pretty good, if, if, certainly if you segregate these uh, measures of inflation and buying power uh, just for the purpose of discussion, uh, the president has low approval ratings for his uh, management of the economy, and Americans disapprove of the direction of the economy by a wide margin. But of course, uh, that, again, as we said before, uh, we went to the former president, uh, really does depend on how someone uh, describes their political leaning. So as we get closer to a general election showdown, let's say it is Biden versus Trump, they're going to have to do more than just criticize each other about their economic performance. They're going to have to lay out some plans. Mm-hmm. What what do we anticipate, perhaps, in terms of what could be thought of as a policy measure or something that could be put forward to the American people that one side or the other could do to sort of choose a direction or pick a way forward? Yeah. Well, first of all, on the question of inflation, there isn't much that a president working with the divided Congress can do on that question alone. We don't know, obviously, what the constitution of the Congress will be in the terms of uh, the political uh, party leadership. So that obviously is a question yet to be resolved by that election as well. The primary uh, entity to control inflation in our country is, of course, the Federal Reserve, which has been standing pat on interest rates and signals that it will be cutting rates, uh, possibly as early as the March meeting. But to the questions that an administration and elected officials in the Congress Uh, might look to foster agreement on. I think there are some obvious uh, would-be legislative low-hanging fruit. Mark, thanks. You're listening to live coverage from CBS News. While most of New Hampshire is snow-covered, it probably won't stop people from voting. One of the main differences between today's primary and last week's Iowa caucus is timing. Caucusing happened at night in schools and city halls. Today's primary is an all-day event, voting from morning to night. So it gives people an opportunity to get out there on their own terms and not have to drive at night or in negative 40-degree temperatures like we had last week in Iowa. New Hampshire has predicted who would end up becoming the GOP nominee in the last three competitive cycles, 2008, 2012, and 2016. 
Polling places that close earlier can announce the results once they have them and do not have to wait for other communities to wrap up voting. That's according to the New Hampshire Secretary of State's office. For example, results in Dixville Notch, that little community, are typically reported before polling sites are even open elsewhere statewide. Matt Piper, CBS News. CBS News Special Report, the New Hampshire primary. CBS News projects that former President Trump will win the New Hampshire Republican primary, defeating former U.N. Ambassador and South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, who Trump said gave a speech that sounded like she was claiming victory. Let's not have somebody take a victory when she had a very bad night. Haley vows to stay in the race. CBS is at O'Keefe at Trump election night headquarters. While he will win this state's Republican primary, there is a warning for him when it comes to the general election. More skepticism here among the Republican and undeclared voters who cast ballots today about whether he'd be fit to serve as president should he be convicted of a crime. CBS News projects that President Biden will win the 2024 New Hampshire Democratic primary with write-in votes. CBS News Special Report. I'm Jennifer Kuyper. CBS News Special Report. The New Hampshire Primary. I'm Steve Kathan, CBS News. Thanks for joining us. Donald Trump with a big win in New Hampshire. Right now with the vote being counted, 40% is in. He has an 11-point lead over Nikki Haley. And, of course, Joe Biden written in on Democratic ballots. Let's go to New Hampshire without any further ado. We've heard from the former president tonight. We've heard from Nikki Haley, too. CBS's Matt Pipe is in New Hampshire. Hello, Matt. Right. Donald Trump is still speaking. He started speaking probably about 10 minutes or so ago, taking, of course, a victory lap. This is a fantastic state. This is a great, great state. You know, we won New Hampshire three times now, three. three. We win it every time. We win the primary. We win the generals. We've won it. And it's a very, very special place to me. It's very important. And he did speak about his rival, Nikki Haley. And, you know, we have to do what's good for our party. And she was up and I said, wow, she's doing uh, like a speech like she won. She didn't win. She lost. And she doesn't win this. This is not your typical victory speech, but let's not have somebody take a victory when she had a very bad night. She had a very bad night. He said that after Haley spoke about an hour ago after CBS News projected Donald Trump the winner. Today we got close to half of the vote. We still have a ways to go, but we keep moving up. And Steve, we still have more exit polls coming in. Donald Trump won men and women and white and non-whites. He did not win every demo group. Haley did win college graduates and those with high incomes. But again, Donald Trump, the projected winner. Nikki Haley, of course, coming in second since it's only a two-person race, Steve. Matt Piper in New Hampshire, thanks very much. Amy Dacey is our political analyst. And I'm wondering, Amy, we've heard Donald Trump now just make fun of Nikki Haley for making her speech so early. I'm wondering why she did that. Tactically, perhaps? I mean... Certainly, the handwriting was on the wall very early, within the first 25 minutes after the polls closed. What do you think the strategy was there for her? 
Yeah, I think strategically she needs to, you know, move on from New Hampshire, say she accomplished what, you know, she wanted to do there, move on, you know, and and look forward to South Carolina. I think she also had to state clearly on the record that her intent is to stay in this race. She's not going anywhere. And I think she wanted to be the first person to go out there and say what she plans to do now coming out of New Hampshire, going in towards South Carolina. She certainly made that clear. Now the question is, what does she have to do? She might not get that single-digit margin, which a lot of people said would be very important to continue on to show that she was close with Trump in New Hampshire. So what would be the strategy now if you're finishing second to Donald Trump and you have your home state ahead where you haven't polled very well against him? Well, she definitely has to pick up, you know, uh, in South Carolina and show some some progress there. She has to reassure individuals that she is fighting on and that she can pick up ground in South Carolina. I think the other really interesting thing, Steve, that we've got to point out here is these states are all very different. Now, in South Carolina, this is, you know, up till now, we've got a 31 delegate to 14 delegate spread between the two candidates. But South Carolina is 50 delegates, but it's a winner take all. So the person there is no there's no trophy for second place in South Carolina. So if she did win in South Carolina, this would change the dynamic of the race. So, again, she has to go in there. I feel very strongly she has to hit harder on Trump to make that contrast. I think over the next four weeks, you have to be able to show people that there's some progression, especially in her polling numbers, and that she has to convince the um, electorate there that she is the best positioned for the general election and to move things forward. But it's a very different race than than um, in New Hampshire and Iowa, especially with the delegate count. Perception is the name of the game with these early contests for sure. But when you're just looking at the math, that is a different threshold that, that will come into play as we move forward in South Carolina. And look, Amy, as we've said, it's four weeks until we hit South Carolina. She may be in the race tonight and she may be able to convince donors to stay with her, but Two weeks from now, the math might change again because people will look at the polls. People will see how she's doing. I mean, it's it's a very fluid situation, and it's a long time to get to the next big battle. Exactly, and I think that whether you agree or disagree, we do have a system here in the states where you know outside groups can have a play in these um, uh, elections, and whether or not some of these outside groups are going to spend money on her behalf to either hit hard at Trump and make that contrast or support her and get out there and say, you know, what her um, credentials are going forward. I think the other thing you saw from Trump tonight, it's the same playbook. You know, it's all all, all flash and no substance. You can't just be against something in politics. You have to be for something. And so when is he... Is he going to make, start making the case of why he is the better candidate to move forward and share your values and your interests? Amy Dacey, thanks. As we roll on here in New Hampshire, the Republican primary, CBS News projects Donald Trump is the winner. As the votes are being counted, he's got more than a 10-point lead over Nikki Haley. The former South Carolina governor says she's staying in the race. You're listening to live coverage of the New Hampshire primary from CBS News. CBS News special report, the New Hampshire primary. CBS News projects Donald Trump wins the New Hampshire primary. Nikki Haley says she's staying in the race. We're going to talk about South Carolina coming up. But one of the questions we asked in New Hampshire was about patriotism. Here's CBS's Tony DeCopel. From the ice rink outside Portsmouth Strawberry Bank Museum, 
to the slopes of Gunstock Mountain in Guilford. Patriotism is everywhere in New Hampshire. You love America? Oh, 100%. 100%. Of course course. I love America. You love America, okay. But when it comes to labeling that love, things get a little more complicated. Do you identify, would you identify as a patriot? Hmm. Well, we got a lot of very quick yeses. Sir, I would do anything for this country. Absolutely. Hi, miss. How are you? At least as many folks weren't immediately sure. Would you identify as a patriot? Um, I don't know. Would you identify as a patriot? I would. Yeah. 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 Okay. Why is that a complicated term for some people? I don't, I don't know. It's complicated for you, not for me. I answer, I answer. Yeah, I you guys are going to have a great chat later. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> As it turns out, patriotism has been on a bit of a downslope all over America. While a huge majority called patriotism very important to them back in 1998, fewer than half of Americans say the same today. And there's a big partisan split. Most Republicans place the highest personal importance on patriotism, while only about a quarter of Democrats agree. But why? I think people feel like they can't be proud of their country if they aren't agreeing with what's going on. Well, because it's associated with the wrong group of people. It's been compromised. Yes. How did America become a wedge issue? (laughs) (laughs) It's a good way of asking the question. David Greenberg is a professor of history and media studies at Rutgers University. You know, once upon a time, I think Democrats and Republicans, liberals and conservatives, they all kind of equally could claim the mantle of patriotism, all spoke the language of loving country, loving America. But over a long time horizon, it's really changed. An informed patriotism is what we want. He says Republicans for decades now have promoted patriotism as a political virtue. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. But no one has wielded it quite like former President Trump. Nancy Pelosi hates the United States of America. For him, it's almost like a weapon. Have you ever seen anything like that before? It's been used, but never in this kind of raw, you know, Trump just has a way of just taking the finish off. He gives it to you straight and raw. There's just no moderation or ambiguity whatsoever. Back on the slopes, voters could feel that kind of division. Would you put an American flag on your car? No. Would you? (laughs) Yeah. You would, okay. So what is the difference between these two people? You're both Americans, you both love America. I don't know, I feel like the American flag I think the meaning has changed. I think the country has changed a lot. Would you put a, uh, a flag on your car? Um, probably not. Why not? Because I'm not, I'm not going to be political myself, actually. So. They think you're stupid if you're a patriot and if you care about the country. But if Democrats once lost the love of country vote, Joe Biden hopes to win it back. We know America's winning. That's American patriotism. Arguing his opposition and the Trump supporters who stormed the Capitol are downright un-American and asking voters to defend what he calls the true patriotism of America's founding ideals. Democracy is on the ballot. 
Your freedom is on the ballot. Do you think he can win with Democrats with a patriotic pitch like that? Mm, there may be some who don't appreciate that term, so I'm not sure. But if we can't even agree on the meaning of the American flag, we are definitely on thin ice as we decide who's best to defend it. Is there anybody out there <laughs> who you feel like would restore what you feel has been lost? I don't think there's a single one of them. Not one. I don't think there's a single person running that I would vote for. If there is, I haven't met them. Tony DeCopo with that piece on patriotism. Let's look ahead now to South Carolina and the primary there, which is next month. We've got a ways to go to get there. Joe Bustos, political reporter of the state newspaper in South Carolina. Joe, what's the outlook? Uh, Donald Trump has been winning big in the polls. Nikki Haley hopes that uh, her home states can be a sort of turning point for her. What's it look like right now? Well, Steve, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, the, Trump, the, the polls have Trump way in the lead here in South Carolina, even though Nikki Haley was twice elected governor of South Carolina. Uh, her last election here in the Palmetto State was 2014, and she was last governor. She left the governor's uh, office in 2017, become Trump's ambassador to the United Nation. And Trump is just so popular here in South Carolina. She has such a, uh uphill battle uh, ahead of her uh over the next month as she stays in the race, as she said tonight, she would. What does she have to do to sort of restore that name in South Carolina? Obviously, she's, well, she's won statewide races, but uh, it's been a while, and uh, you're facing the Trump factor, which is which is not easy. I, I think you saw, you seen her on the stump here. She reminds everyone about what was it like under her, uh, during her administration. Uh, she often talks about how economically the, the state turned around and became the beast of the southeast you hear that a lot from her so i expect her to say a lot of reminding people about what she did here in south carolina she tonight in new hampshire during her uh speech she talked about uh the e-verify uh, uh immigration law that she signed she talked uh, many times she talked about taking on the establishment um uh here in south carolina you, you may hear that a lot from her and which is kind of the fitting theme because the establishment here in South Carolina now has all rallied around uh, the former president. And what about uh, Joe Biden? Of course, the Democrats want South Carolina to be first, and that's caused this whole big thing with New Hampshire. Uh, certainly, Joe Biden has done well in South Carolina in the past. It, he definitely has. Uh, South Carolina was the state that propelled him to the Democratic nomination in 2020 after he lost in Iowa, New Hampshire, and, and Nevada. Uh, those uh, early contests. So he, uh, the DNC changed up the order. Uh, and uh, you hear a lot of messaging from the state Democratic Party that this is the first in the nation Democratic primary. Uh, it's the first one that's going to be awarding delegates. And that one's on February 3rd. And there's an effort to get people to show up to that primary. Uh, Joe Biden is on the air with advertising uh, in three media markets uh, to try to get people to show up. And there's a statewide tour for the state party to get people to participate. Uh, and there's also that hope for South Carolina to get first in the nation on, Demo on the Democratic side in 2028. So that's also part of Joe, thanks. You're listening to live coverage from CBS News. CBS News special report, the New Hampshire primary. Former President Trump poking at his opponent, Nikki Haley, after being projected the winner of the primary in New Hampshire. She was up and I said, wow, she's doing... Uh... Like a speech like she won. She didn't win. She lost. 
Trump supporters want him back at the White House. Things wouldn't be happening the way they are right now if we had a Trump administration right now. According to a CBS News exit poll, 8 in 10 Trump voters described their vote as strongly for him, while only 1 in 3 Haley voters said they strongly favor her. More people who did vote for Haley did so because they disliked her opponent. Just some stability and, and normalcy back to the party, I think, is so important. Now, despite the disappointing results for the former U.N. ambassador, she vows to stay in the race. Our fight is not over because we have a country to save. CBS News Special Report. I'm Stacy Lynn. This is a CBS News Special Report, Campaign 2024, the New Hampshire primary. I'm Steve Kathan, CBS News. Thanks for joining us tonight. Donald Trump is projected to win the New Hampshire primary. We've heard from Trump and his opponent, Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley says she's staying in the race. Next stop is South Carolina. That's about a month away, so... A lot of time and a lot of ground to make up for her. Let's go to Manchester, New Hampshire. Our man there, Matt Piper, who's been looking at all the numbers tonight and getting a feel for the whole situation as he's listened to both candidates. Hello again, Matt. Hey, Steve. So let's look at the numbers right now. We have 44% of the vote in. Donald Trump has 79,000 votes up against Nikki Haley's 64,000. That puts him 10 points ahead of her, 54% compared to her 44%. So for a second week in a row, Donald Trump wins big. Last week in the Iowa caucus, this week in the New Hampshire primary. He spoke for about 20 minutes tonight. This is a fantastic state. This is a great, great state. Then he went after his rival, Nikki Haley. This is not your typical victory speech, but let's not have somebody take a victory when she had a very bad night. She had a very bad night. He said that after Haley said this. Today we got close to half of the vote. We still have a ways to go, but we keep moving up. And as you said, Haley does say she's staying in the race. As for Trump, he was strong across many demographic groups. He won men and women and white and non-whites and across age groups. He did not win every demo, though. Haley won college graduates and those with high incomes. The biggest issues for voters today, Steve, the economy, immigration, followed by foreign policy, then abortion. So again, another big win for Donald Trump, second week in a row. And it seems from the exit polling method, eight in 10 Trump voters were solidly behind the candidate, whereas there was weakness in terms of the Nikki Haley support. Uh, she, She got the vote, but people perhaps were not as convinced as some of the Trump supporters were. And I believe it because I was at a polling place this morning in Manchester. Everyone there was a Donald Trump supporter. I said, well, what about Nikki Haley? And they said, I don't want to vote for her. I said, was there ever a chance that you were behind her or even Ron DeSantis? And they all said no. I mean, some of them said that they liked them, but that they were not going to vote for them. So, you know, these exit polls are, are definitely what I also heard from these voters today, that they were all in for Trump, much like I heard last week in Iowa. Matt Piper, thanks. Let's turn to our political analyst, Amy Dacey from American University. And certainly, uh, as as we parse through all the numbers, the overwhelming number is that Trump wins in New Hampshire. He won in Iowa. He has a good chance of winning in South Carolina. And the effort for Nikki Haley is to try to put something together over the next four weeks that changes the equation. Yeah, this is this is definitely an uphill battle, but 
she has to show something within the next couple of weeks that the dynamics change, whether that's a reset, you know, with the campaign an increase, you know, a change in the polling numbers. She has to change her messaging tactics and be out there, you know, strong again, showing the contrast with Trump, but also, you know, saying why she is the most viable candidate. And that has to happen. You've got four and a half weeks, but it has to happen early, early on in that four and a half weeks. Um, some people have already made up their decision. The question is, who's in South Carolina still deciding um, and how can she make that communication with them to try and get them on board? Yeah, as we've heard in our discussions in South Carolina, uh, people seem to have, you know, I mean, forgotten about her. It, you know, she has not been in the governor's chair for quite a while, but uh, she has name recognition for sure. But uh, the, the Trump factor and uh, his support among Christians and evangelicals is very strong. Yeah, and you can't assume to that point that people know the work that she did. There's going to have to be some kind of bio reimagining and, you know, helping to people understand what she was able to accomplish while she was in South Carolina. But again, uh, you're not going to have like early, you know, late on, on into 2016, you had debates in these early states like this is not going to happen between the two of them. It's on her to really get her message out to talk about who she is, like what she did for the state, remind South Carolina voters, you know, why she was a governor that was um, elected twice in that state. It's a lot of work to do, (laughs) you know, uh, in uh, this short amount of time. But that's what has to happen, especially. And then make sure she has the resources to do that. Certainly the interest has been on the Republican side because of all the candidates for Joe Biden. We saw a little bit of activity today. Obviously, there was a big event with the vice president, uh, a big abortion rights event and a bit of a campaign news of bringing some people from the White House to his campaign to run things. Certainly trying to get some attention and uh, get some focus on what the Democrats are doing. Yeah, I think it's really important to show the contrast of the night that the Republicans and the and the Democrats, you know, had. And the Republicans, there's still a contested race to see who's the nominee. Uh, you had uh, the president came in fifth in New Hampshire in 2020, and here he is in a in a right in ballot situation and wins outright. I think it shows that there's Democratic support around him being the nominee. He certainly had an enthusiastic um, rally and reminded, you know, one in three women now live in a state with an abortion ban. This is going to be an issue that was critical in the midterm elections. Um, It is still very relevant and salient. And I think a reminder that it's also um, a very important issue for some of the traditional Democratic voters. And we've been talking about a lot about independence. Uh, They certainly, you know, will weigh a lot into some of these battleground states. But um, Biden and his team are also going to have to go out and remind Democrats why he is the best answer Um, you know, to win this general election. There's still work to be done. I think the changes you saw in the um, campaign already strengthened Julie Rodriguez as an incredible individual and bringing on some of these, you know, veterans to kind of help move this forward, winning veterans. I think it was a solid move to strike that contrast with Republicans today in New Hampshire. Amy Dacey, thanks. The big headline out of New Hampshire, the Republican primary. CBS News projects it goes to Donald Trump. At last check, he had an 11-point lead over Nikki Haley. She says she's staying in the race. Next stop is South Carolina. Thanks for joining us for our coverage. Good night. Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be because Survivor 46 is here, and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. 
Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, Devaya Darius. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did, what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast, and to ask Jeff some questions because even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 